0: Welcome back to More Than You Know. I'm um, sorry that we've taken a bit of a break, but we're back now and we're going to talk about some exciting stuff today. Um, today, we're going to be talking about um, the trade war between the USA and China. So, we've got lots of input and we're very excited for this episode. Let's start how we usually do with a short intro. I'm here um, and I'm pretty short.
1: Hi, my name
2: is Harsh and my favorite sport is tennis. Hi, my name is Rishi, and I'm as uncoordinated as people get. And unfortunately, our last member today, Kaju,
1: uh, is unavailable, but she will be giving her input. Um, She'll be giving, she won't be speaking today, but she will be giving her input through text. So you will hear some of her thoughts as well. So let's, without further ado, let's begin. And let's begin and describe what is going on with the USA and China. So let's begin. Um, Rishi, can you please give us a little description as to what is going on between the USA and China, especially in terms of their trade war and rising tensions
2: between Washington and Beijing? All right, to begin with, I'm just gonna give a general overview of what a trade war is. Basically in a trade war, there are two or more countries that are engaged and both countries are imposing protectionist laws on each other. Protectionist laws and policies in, generally include tariffs and quotas. A tariff is usually, it's like a tax. How, however, it's a tax on imports and specifically imports from a certain country. They, the impact of a tariff result, results in the cost of production rising and therefore this increases the price of the goods being sold into, the, into foreign economies which overall reduces the overall demand and consumption of that good a quota on the other hand is a limit of is a limit on as to how many how many units of an import can arrive into the country and this puts a direct limit as to how many how many of a certain good or service consumers can buy so
1: a little insight into the trade war itself the us china trade war started on the 6th of july 2018 when the US imposed a 25% tariff on 34 billion US dollars worth of Chinese imports. The first in the series of tariffs imposed during 2018 and 2019, was formally signed on 15 January 2020, with its pr- provisions taking place on the 15th of February. Now since then, this, the, Im- the implications of the trade war, not only the implications, but what's happened with the trade war has escalated, escalated from not only tariffs and quotas, but also in terms of technological inv- advancement and trying to essentially hinder any sort of advancement going on in either country. So let's delve further into this and talk about the implications for each country about this trade war itself. So Rishi, why don't you begin by telling us what are the implications for China as a result of this trade war?
2: well to begin with i would like to say that the trade war is it goes without saying not very beneficial for china considering how most of china's exports um go to the us and the us is like the biggest market for chinese firms to expand into and a lot of chinese firms were heavily reliant on these u.s markets as a result as a result the introduction of the trade war resulted in many of these firms going out of business and increasing unemployment all across china because a lot, all of a sudden, Chinese firms were unable to um, provide, um, provide the goods and services required to expand and therefore gain enough revenues for, to provide wages. A lot of workers were la- laid out because they were inefficient or unnecessary at that period of time. I believe, adding on to this as well, I feel that Ch-
1: the U.S. market, at first, pre- prior to the Trump administration being admitted, Prior to that, it was China's really, it was the it was essentially China's port for globalization. That was the port by which China globalized and managed to reach other economies as well by the means of the US as well. So I feel that essentially blocking that port or not allowing Chinese businesses to continue, not continue operating, but have them at a competitive disadvantage, that really did hinder a lot of industries in China. And that really did slow down. I believe it did slow down the economy. But what do you think, What so here, what do you think China is doing right now? What do you speculate they're doing in order to combat this?
0: Yeah, and they've been doing this um, ever since like Mao was um, in power. But yeah, I think more recently, as you guys know, the Belt and Road Initiative um President Xi Jinping has kick-started that project since 2013, and I definitely think that right now, that's what's making China the next superpower, and that's what's um, helping China's economy grow. They've been in contact with so many different countries, and more importantly, they've been in contact with countries that are less reliable and more sort of corrupt in that sense because What China's been doing is they've been um, giving loans to that country and in exchange, they are um, getting help with the Belt and Road Initiative and they're expanding to those countries so that China always has the leverage with those countries. And I think the Belt and Road Initiative is definitely something that's um, gonna be very important to China in the later future. And um, that's also why I feel that China's been making these connections with other countries and it's been helping China with this trade war.
1: I would definitely agree and this plays into the concept that is now being called the Chinese money trap, where China essentially, as you said, loans uh, a lot of money to countries that require assistance. So, for example, the biggest, the most noticeable example was the one with Sri Lanka, where in, uh, China loaned a lot of money to Sri Lanka after their, um, I believe it was a 20, 15 to 20 year civil war, after which uh, Sri Lanka's economy economy was really suffering. And so China decided to provide a lot of money and a lot of funding to them such that they can start their economy, start building more businesses, allowing for more business enterprise to be set up over there and finding essentially creating more gaps in the market. And so as a result of all that lending, essentially Sri Lanka had to pay that money back. But Sri Lanka is in no financial state right now even to pay such a large sum of money back to China. So instead what Sri Lanka had to do was sell off a port that was... Had a very strong competitive advantage, competitive advantage for China, because that port essentially allowed for Chinese uh, goods, ships and Chinese goods to be docked there, such that they could be sent out to different regions uh, that were that were otherwise would be difficult for China to reach. So by essentially loaning that m- amount of money, they've been able to capture some land, and I feel that it's not only that's land, the just the phrase land that's being captured. I feel as China lends money to the Sri Lankan government, the government also comes under the control of China, essentially. Because of right, a exactly. large sum of money that needs to be owed back to China, the government has nothing to do but comply to everything China has to say. So I feel that it's not only the fact that China is capitalizing on land or capitalizing on labor or capitalizing on maybe uh, possible raw materials, China is capitalizing on governments. It's taking over, it's slowly, but it's subtly and implicitly taking over governments and essentially putting them under their control. It's. I feel like this is actually very mimetic to the 1970s, approximately, 1960s, 1970s, during the Cold War between the Soviet Union and uh, USA, where the Soviet Union would do similar thing, but they wouldn't instead lend money, but instead they would try to, I, I would say maybe invade countries, and they would essentially declare their rule of communism on that country. And so I think China's doing a very similar thing, but instead it's not, spreading, it's, it's not spreading communism, but instead it's trying to spread its sort of global prowess, whereby it's trying to become, as you said before here, the next superpower. And I feel that, we could possibly be seeing the next domino effect like we had in the 1960s. We could be possibly seeing the next domino effect where many, many Asian countries, especially in Southeast Asia, they fall to the rule of China like they did previously to the Soviet Union.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what's um, bringing China up because the U.S. is getting more isolated um, and China is just getting support from other countries.
1: So Rishi, what impact do you think that this has had on U.S. businesses?
2: Although I originally said that the impact on China wasn't as great as it was on the US, I feel like that the impact on the US was still very beneficial towards the US because uh, an example of this would be that there was lower overall domestic unemployment in the United States. A reason for this was because um, when protectionist laws were enforced on Chinese businesses, for example, tariffs and quotas, what happened is that tariffs, right, like I said, is a tax on imports. And therefore, it increased the cost of production for overseas Chinese firms to sell their products in the U.S., which as a result made it less profitable for the Chinese, for Chinese firms to sell their products in the U.S. And because their products were less profitable, it also made them less competitive relative to domestic U.S. firms as a result because domestic us firms are more competitive they're they're able to withstand the competition and therefore do not go out of business which ensures that domestic unemployment doesn't inc- doesn't increase as a result of an inc- as a result of free trade which is basically when there's trade without protectionism. so you're essentially trying to say that because uh, of those tariffs
1: us businesses can prosper more because the, there's essentially now a new gap in the market. There's a new gap whereby these U.S. businesses can take the role of what Chinese businesses were doing. Exactly. Mm, that, does, that, that is exactly that is a very good point. So do you think this plays into this whole agenda of the U.S. whereby, as you know, Trump was elected in 2016 and his intention was make America, America first, essentially. And that really brought that sense of um, nationalism to the whole political landscape of the US. Do you think that these quotas, these tariffs are just essentially, um, do you think that this is a shift in the way the US has thought from the way, let's just say a shift in the US's attitude towards nationalism or just towards, uh, or just describing basically a shift in their political landscape. Like do you,
2: how would you describe this in in the sense of politics I would say? Um, to an extent, I would say yes. That is, this is a show of nationalism, and the fact that our nationalism, and the fact that the U.S. is trying to be more closed off. However, in this case, I feel like the like the um, the protectionism that laws that the U.S. enforced was very justified because prior to the trade war, the U.S. was the U.S. firms were heavily exploited by Chinese firms, in which Chinese firms because of the Um, low protectionist laws, they were able to gain a competitive edge over U.S. firms. And and what happened was um, rather than U.S. consumers paying money to their own domestic firms, they were paying money to Chinese and international firms, which as a result weakened the overall U.S. economy because the money wasn't flow because money wasn't flowing in the US economy, but rather flowing out of the US's pockets into other countries. Which is why I think that even though this was a great way to show off a nationalist agenda and a change in thinking, it was also heavily justified because the US was being exploited and honestly I honestly they needed someone that can make it stop. I would also agree, but do you think here that this
1: has implications for globalization or increased, um, I says partnerships possibly between different countries? Or do you think that each country should look out for themselves before trying to make partnerships with each other? And this is not only open to here, uh, it's also open to Rishi. And if Karina wants to put any comment as well on, about it.
0: Um, I think that, like, definitely um, partnerships are definitely very important between countries. And I think that's what makes the economy grow. Um, having this trade war has definitely affected not only the U.S. and China, but also neighboring countries. Um, And just to give it a little bit of perspective about numbers, um, I just saw an article where it said that in 2019, um, the trade war cost the the USA almost $316 billion. Um, And I think that's definitely like a very big amount just to um, sort of... Gain perspective with the numbers. What do you guys think about that?
1: So Kaju has mentioned that um that that according to a source that she's read, that there has been no necessary proof that opening up trade is a good thing. And why is protectionism looked down upon? Um, and that is valid, but I feel that in my opinion, with the world becoming more and more inter- interdependent on each other, there should be an effort to try and make partnerships. However, as Rishi said, it should not be at the cost of being exploited, like your own businesses being exploited. Um, and so that's very important to draw a fine line between the two of them, such that a company, that's not a company, apologies, a country doesn't become over-dependent. And now you're seeing with COVID, and you're seeing because of the coronavirus, a lot of countries have started to realize that they are too dependent on China. They're, and that their ventilators are coming from China, their masks are coming from there, their medical equipment is coming from there. Everything is coming from China. And for them, at least, it's come to a point of realization that they need to stop depending on China as much. They need to start allowing the home businesses, homegrown businesses to prosper and develop rather than being dependent on external uh, external countries. And I feel that... With COVID, at least, with COVID specifically, I feel like the world's attitudes towards strengthening ties um, towards strengthening ties with other countries has changed. I think more and more individuals, because of COVID, will now adopt a more nationalist agenda, whereby they'll try and allow, they'll try and allow home businesses to grow. And maybe because of this, we could possibly see more tariffs being put, and not necessarily just between the U.S. and China. But it could be put between, for example, it could be put between different countries, such as, for example, the USA and Mexico, Um, for example, other countries such as India and Pakistan, although they do have a large number of tariffs already, there could be more that are put on them. So I feel that because of COVID and not only because of COVID, I feel like this trade war and the sort of legacy that it's had, especially with the coronavirus now, it's really left a mark on all these other countries to adopt a more nationalistic stance on,
2: um, on everything, on each of their products. So um, I completely agree with what you're saying. But I also think that com- governments right, should um, not, should, I think like right now, especially based on like the fact that you just mentioned that countries can get too interdependent, I think that uh, what countries can focus on Without causing too much damage to other countries, would be to subsidize their own firms. A subsidy is basically just a finance. it's just a lot of when the government hands out money to firms, and the firms can use that money for a specific reason. It can be for expanding, it can be for research and development, it can be to increase wages, a whole bunch of reasons. But essentially, when firms are, when um, personally, when I think when government subsidizes firms in domestic firms, at least, it allows domestic firms to um, become more competitive as um, competitive in wider markets, as they can use the money to increase the quality and quantity of their goods, and therefore sell more goods, not only in their own country, but across. And as a result, I feel like that can lower the, um, the lower the heavy interdependence on countries. Of course, to some extent, interdependence is very important. If you want to look in the lens of a consumer, interdependence is a great thing, because when you are my, as a consumer, if I know that I have access to multiple countries' goods, it means that I have more choice. And if I have more choice, it means that I have a higher standard of living, because I can choose such a large variety of products for myself. And I feel like to an extent, interdependence is essential, however, I feel like comp- that's why I feel like the subsidy draws a nice line in between, in between um, interdependence and reliance. Whereas, con- whereas, for, whereas, individuals are still given the are not compromising their choice, but they're also but countries are also not too heavily reliant on other countries, and as a result, um, dealing with large leakages of money in their economy. I think that's a very good
1: point that you made, especially about the subsidies as well as. Um, not just having a concrete option to just um, impose quotas or tariffs, but also to impose subsidies to allow domestic businesses to grow and develop, as well as allowing for interdependence to occur. I think that's a very good point. Um, So let's now, let's change the topic a little bit, and let's speak more about the businesses that have been kind of caught in the crossfire between between the U.S. and China trade war. So a very famous example of this is TikTok. So here, would you like to speak further about this?
0: essentially, I think that TikTok, not only TikTok, but also WeChat, um, has definitely escalated the situation between US and China regarding this trade war um, because the whole US market um, has been affected. And so essentially, TikTok is losing a lot of business because they have massive popularity in the US and lots of famous influencers have um, gained their sort of support and fan base from TikTok itself. Um, And of course, it's not just that, but I just think slowly these businesses itself have been started to get affected by this whole trade war. And I think um, that's just what's escalating this whole um, uh, thing. And I think it's sad to see that these companies are getting involved in this. Um, Obviously, it's um, something that is inevitable because um, it's a trade war between two countries, so things are bound to get um, caught up in the process, but... Um, I definitely think that um, banning TikTok and apps like this um, have some, certainly like, um, impacted the trade war itself.
2: I would like to add though, that in the specific case of TikTok, um, I remember watching a couple of interviews with in fact um, tech specialists, right? That actually discussed the fact that um, TikTok, while it may not be necessarily harmful, it does take a lot more information than it needs to. And I do believe that that's part of the reason why, because of the fact that it might take more information. It got caught in the crossfire between the US and China tensions. However, it's also important to notice the fact that it did require a lot of additional information that was apparently unnecessary. Of course, it's hard to test the validity of these facts, but this is based on what I heard. Also, I, do not be- I don't believe that like, um, the treatment to some of these firms um, was completely unfair, again, in the case of TikTok. Um, TikTok was still given the opportunity to run in the U.S. as long as, um, as, as Bite Size sold TikTok to another firm in the U.S. that would run it. While this may not be necessarily fair, I still do believe that it gave TikTok a second opportunity to, la- um, to remain in the U.S. market not only, de- not only did the U.S. give it a second chance, but it also continues to delay the date as there's rising hopes for the fact that TikTok may actually, con- may actually continue to run with the U.S.
1: I would also agree, but I don't think it mattered as to whether or not they took too much information. I think they would have done anything to retaliate against China. I feel like even if the app itself did not take that much information, it, there would have been some action taken regardless. So now, since that's all under a little bit hush hush, no one knows the kind of certainty of it, especially with the new Oracle, especially with Oracle considering to buy their U.S. operations, there's a lot of uncertainty. So why don't we move on and why don't we speak about what do we think about the future about this? What do we think is the future of U.S. and China trade war and U.S. and China relations in general? Rishi? Sorry, could you repeat that, Hush? What do you think is the future of U.S.-China relations? Or what do you think is the course what do you think the trade the course what do you think the trade war is going to t- what course of action do you think the trade
2: war is going to take or do, what do you what route do you think it's going to go down um currently obviously this is really hard to speak right now considering the fact that um the difficult political agendas and the fact that the us is in the midst of an election uh which is uh, it's in the midst of an election and depending on which party gets chosen Different policies may be implemented, but based on my personal recommendation, I think it's essential that tensions get lowered, especially in a time like right now. Although China is heavily specializing in the manufacturing industry, I feel like the U.S. right now needs to focus on itself over the impact of China on the U.S. Mainly because of the fact that, um, mainly because of the fact that COVID nineteen is seriously damaging the U.S. economy in all sectors, including entrepreneurship. Which is basically the risk-taking ability of firms. Uh, healthcare with there not being enough doctors and nurses to take care of the rising cases, and also um, in general to do with the fact that um, the U.S. doesn't really have the doesn't have the funds to afford to fight back against China. Over investing into its own healthcare.
1: I would agree. I feel like these tensions do need to decrease as well, and that there, at this time, in such a difficult time such as pandemic, I, I think that there should be a greater emphasis on global partnership and strategic partnerships between countries. However, unfortunately, I feel that a more nationalist agenda will be formed because of it. So that's so I think that's all the time we have for today thank you so much for tuning in everyone and we hope to see you in the next episode
2: bye bye
0: thank you guys
2: bye thank you for listening